Hello, I'm Amy from Vienna and I'm a Thronesy. I'm Tamara, I'm from Minnesota and I'm a Potterhead. I'm Zoe, I'm from France and I'm a Thronecoat. I'm Carla from Melbourne and I'm a Murderino. I'm AJ, I live in Wasaga Beach, Canada and I am part of the Supernatural family. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. And this is the Fandom Based Life Podcast. A podcast that explores and celebrates fandoms and the communities and friendships they create. So this week we decided that we were going to split up a list of fandom-based terms, fandom-based terminology, mm-hmm. and take turns uh, researching and explaining what all these terms meant. Because if you're like me, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like me, you've done <laughs> your fair share of Googling fandom-based terms and abbreviations. Yes, we... Uh... I didn't even know some of these, to be honest. Like, I've seen them in tags in fan fiction, and I just kind of overlooked them. So there are certain ones that I was actually quite keen to figure out. But yeah, we're basically uh, going to go through some fan speak and uh, and decode a little bit of, of what that means if you're not familiar. So it's, it's actually kind of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> I did too, and I learned a lot, and I feel like I grew as a fan, and I grew as a person <laughs> as a result of researching these. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of a fandom-based dick sometimes. Like, I'm a little judgy <laughs> of other fan fandoms and fan fictions and whatever. Like, And it's so... I, I really hate that about myself because we're all obviously big dorks and we need to band together yes. and not be fandom-based dicks. So I, I did a lot of work <laughs> on myself for this episode. <laughs> wow. Two episodes in and it's already a life-changing experience. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for helping me grow. Who, me personally? Mm -hmm. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should also give some fandom-based thank yous today. Uh, We are both in empty houses. Yes, it's a rare thing. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to thank my friend Tamara, whose voice you hear at the beginning of the podcast. She's a Potterhead. uh, Because she has taken my sweet dog, Bowie, who is the best dog in the world, uh, no offense to other dogs. Uh, she's taken him out for a jog so that I don't have to edit out the clicking of his uh, toenails on the hardwood floor, which I had to do last time. Uh, and I want to send a fandom base thank you to my wonderful husband, Peter, who took all three of our children to the park so that uh, we wouldn't have background noise of kids screaming, crying, and the like. So thank you guys. <laughs> Peter, you rock, and we both love you very much. <laughs> um, so should we dive into the good stuff here? Yeah, What's your? what was your first term? So I'm going to kick it off with the term fandom. Oh, um, that's a good start. And not only do I have a definition of the term fandom, but I also have some step-by-step instructions on how to be in a fandom. Awesome. That I found Um there is a wiki how. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to not only tell you what a fandom is, but give you these very, very <laughs> intuitive and helpful instructions on how to join one. So that said, let's kick it off with what is a fandom? So a fandom is a term used to describe a subculture of fans that are devoted to a common interest. Now, obviously, there's people that are fans of everything, but fandoms tend to be very active in their communities and very active in their kind of participation in whatever their fandom is about. So I found a, a blurb that kind of summed it up 
better than I could and articulates it much better than I ever could from a site called wisegeek.com. Um, and it says, members of a fandom tend to be very interested in all of the details of the object of their interest. Uh, many people, for example, could be fans of Star Trek, meaning that they enjoy the series and they may be familiar with some Star Trek trivia. Fewer people could list all of the actors in the series, discuss continuity errors, or argue passionately that Picard was the better captain. <laughs> These, <laughs> these fans will drink in any available information about their hobby, and they're often extremely knowledgeable. Their dedication also tends to make them an object of derision, with many people poking fun at deeply committed fans. Uh, often, members of a fandom connect with each other through things like conventions and zines. They may also organize games and conferences or compose art related to their hobby. Fan fiction and art are common among fandoms, and some people also compose music, make sculptures, or create tribute films and shorts. These pursuits indicate how passionate enthusiasts can become. So I thought that was a really good way of kind of summing it up. So fandoms are a group of extra passionate, extra knowledgeable, extra involved fans of something. We really do take it to the next level. Yeah, I don't do anything half ass. So <laughs> if, if I'm in your fandom, I am in your fandom. Hey, Supernatural, what's up? <laughs> I'm in season six now, guys. I just oh want to update God. you. You're a, a Supernatural watching machine. I am halfway. I am halfway through the series, Jesus. and I'm really excited about it. It's good. Um, okay, so do you want to hear the, the step-by-step guide on how to become a person that's in a fandom? Absolutely, I do. Okay, here we go. Uh, step one, find an interest in a book series, movie, television show, band, or celebrity, such as Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, Titanic, Pretty Little Liars, Justin Bieber, etc. I, first question, is there a Titanic fandom? Yes. <laughs> Do you think? Clearly, yes. Maybe. I mean, everyone loved that film. Can you imagine how big that fandom would have been back like when it was in the theaters and we were going to see it like eight, nine, ten times? That's true. Yeah, you know what? I could have written some Jack and Rose fan fiction. Some AU yeah. stuff. Can we add that to our where... list of things that we're going to yeah. someday write together? <laughs> yes, Titanic fan fiction coming at you. Write it down. Um, okay, step two. Find the matching community of people who share the same common interest as you. These people can be found at your school, on the internet, or anywhere. Or, <laughs> or on this podcast. Hi. Yeah. Hi, guys. Well, hey. Um, yeah, I love these steps. They're, like, very, very good. Yes. Uh, number three, get to know these people, exclamation <laughs> point. Strike up a conversation with them about your interest. These tips are so solid, you guys, so follow them to the T. I mean, really, it's, and they're super effective because it's basically an outline of how we became friends. That's true. That's true. Uh, step four, get to know everything about your fandom. <laughs> I feel like that should be so, closer to step one or two. You would think, but not in this list. So read all the books, own all the albums, etc. Know the characters and the name of every movie. Know your fandom's fan name. These are what the people of your fandom call themselves. People in the Hunger Games fandom call themselves tributes. People in the Twilight fandom call themselves Twihards, etc. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that Twihards. Although I, love I, I have been told that Twihards is not actually a term they use to describe themselves because it is kind of it's got a kind of negative connotation because it sounds like tryhard. 
Oh. Anyway, I don't know. Okay. If you are in the Twilight fandom, please tell us, and then we can correct it on our next episode. <laughs> uh, okay, number five, step five. Join social media. Yes. Join it. Um, all of it. Make an All of it. Make an Instagram or Tumblr account exclusively for your fandom. Get to know other people within your fandom and make up your fandom family. Aww. Post pictures of special iconic symbols in your fandom. Fair enough. Yeah, do that. Uh, number six is probably my favorite step. Uh, it is decorate your room! Exclamation point. <laughs> Get posters of your interest to pin on your walls. Purchase band merch. Get Edward Cullen pillows. <laughs> Own all three books in the Divergent trilogy, etc. This shows people you are committed and completely obsessed. Oh, I love it. It's so true. It's so good. As I'm sitting on the floor in my stepson's bedroom looking at a poster of Nirvana, because that's really the only place I could get away with hanging it up. <laughs> that is Some fantastic. Dude. I did have a Tom Hiddleston calendar last year, oh, so I that remember. was sort of a thing that was on my wall. Yeah. We, Sarah and I used to, I would like send her a video each month of me changing the calendar to see which face of Tom Hiddleston the month would have. It was one of the most exciting years I've had in a long time. <laughs> well, this year I have a David Bowie calendar and that just, the mood is always just sadness for me, so... Boo. Let's bring it right down. Yeah. Um, so there's one more step. It's a seven-step process. And step number seven is basically perfect for today because it's what we're doing. So step seven is know the terms. Yes. Once you are obsessive, see above, <laughs> start using the proper terms. So that is the perfect way to segue into what we're talking about today. And today we are going to learn some fandom-based terms to help you navigate your fandom-based life. But wait, life. if you haven't done steps one through six, pause this and come <laughs> back to it. Yeah, take a trip to the store, get some posters, get some, pillows. Get some books, get some merch, get some Edward Cullen pillows immediately. <laughs> I love it. All right, um, so we're going to go back and forth, right? So you yeah. are, you've got some, some stuff Can for I us. Just, what's what's um, yours? I just want to say, I knew um, that you were doing fandom, and I found this great quote about fandom so not to steal your thunder but it's just such a beautiful quote no it's our thunder girl go for it so i found this quote on the marysue.com um from an article by jordan west and it says from the inside fandom looks like a complex series of interlocking sandboxes filled with interesting and innovative people discourse creativity the occasional click and the kind of talent that makes us want to punch something (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the outside though yeah. i imagine it looks more like a bunch of weirdos stealing shit and playing in abandoned buildings honestly it's probably a little of both that is amazing amazing the marysue.com is an amazing site as well i've got some some good stuff from there too that's awesome all right so let's talk more about stealing shit and playing in abandoned buildings <laughs> yes <laughs> that's right. your next term <clears throat> right so my next term is one of my all-time favorite terms in the English language, and it is fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, A.K.A. How We Met. How We Met, A.K.A. My Life. Yes. Okay. So the actual term fan fiction was coined in 1939, believe it or not, by the sci-fi community, what? right? Um, and even back then it was a derogatory term. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have gotten nowhere we with have, this. We have not no progressed progress. since the nineteen late nineteen thirties. Um, but Amazing. this is this podcast going to turn that all around. Yeah, that's what we're here for. 
So the term fanfiction was used to differentiate between amateur or quote-unquote crude sci-fi fiction Ooh. and professional fiction. Whatever. Right, so right off the bat, not a good start for fanfiction. Um, lots of shame and stig- stigma, even back then. But luckily, like I said, the fandom base podcast is going to turn that all around. So you're <laughs> welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. The end. <laughs> We've done it. Bye. You can all go home. Bye. <laughs> Uh, so fan fiction became popular in the 1960s when Star Trek fans began publishing their works in these things that Allison mentioned earlier called zines or fanzines zines. Um, mm-hmm. and what I like to call old-fashioned Wattpad. <laughs> Antique Wattpad. Antique Wattpad. Vintage Wattpad. Uh, the term fanzine was first used by Russell uh, Chauvenet in the 1940s, but the first known fanzines were actually from the 1930s, and those were a collection of sci-fi works um, in a magazine called The Comet, and they were published via the Science Correspondence Club of Chicago. Mm. So basically, Chicago's like the birth of fan fiction. Oh, cool. We're going to have to take a fandom-based Fandom-based vacation there on our way to Seattle. Do you think there's, like, a plaque on the wall somewhere that says this is the birthplace of fanfiction? I doubt it, but we're going to make it and bring it with us and just, uh, like, nail it to a wall somewhere. Just stick it somewhere. Right, okay. and people, it'll be like a mecca. People can go there and, like, pay homage to it. Amazing. Um, so, just a little side note. I, uh, there was a, online, there was this online fanzine called the Carillion Embassy, and I actually, like, sent a check to this person in England, and they sent me a Star Wars fanzine. It was beautiful. What? It was so beautiful. It had, like, beautiful fan art, and it was all sorts of, like, Han Solo fan fiction. It was amazing. You're such a better fandom-based well, liver the, than I right, am. This, I've been living this fandom-based life for a long time. This was, like, back <laughs> in the late 90s. <clears throat> okay. All right, so all hey, right. let me just take a sip of my beer here. It's almost gone. <laughs> all right. So traditionally, uh, people would send in their works to the fanzine editor, and they would be published, and you would have to send money in, and and then you would get a copy of your magazine, and that's what I like to call old-fashioned Tumblr. (laughs) So around the same time that the Star Trek zines were coming out, there is this similar phenomenon happening in Japan, and these things were called, oh, I'm going to butcher this, um, doujinshi. And these, Perfect. and so doujinshis were fan, like Japanese fanzines, but they served as um, like springboards for manga authors and video game franchises to become like a professional artist and professional author. So these these launched the careers of uh, a lot of the Japanese manga authors and anime wow. authors. Yeah, kind of cool. So here's an exciting tidbit for you: since the okay. '50s, the annual World, World Science Fiction convention, uh, lovingly shortened to Worldcon, has awarded the Hugo Award for Best Fanzine, Best Fan Writer, and Best Fan Artist. Ooh. Right, so this is goals. I'm gonna get, yeah, I'm gonna just gonna get say. a Hugo, and I'm gonna get a Wadi, I'm gonna put up on my mantle, and make my mom super proud. Amazing. Alright, so back before Star Trek, I'm gonna take you way back to foggy London town, back to the great Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yes. So Sir Arthur Conan Doyle had a huge and devoted fan base, and these readers would send him fan mail. 
So when he killed off Sherlock, uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler. <laughs> it was the pressure from his fans and readers that caused him to bring the character back to life. Um, yes. In 1934, there were two fan groups. Maybe these were the first ever fandoms. Maybe. I don't know. But they were oh. the Sherlock Holmes Society and the Baker Street Irregulars. And the Irregulars <laughs> are active to this that. day. Can we join that? Can we join that fandom? Yeah, I'm going to find it. Can you go there right now? We'll pause. Uh, not right now, but I am planning when we do a Sherlock episode to go to the Sherlock Holmes Museum. Amazing. To do some research. Uh, so here's something really cool. The Sherlock Holmes fans back in the day actually wrote fan fiction as early as the 1880s. <laughs> what? Yep, so I'm in pretty good company. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> So in that art, the same article that I referenced earlier um, by Jordan West on the Mary Sue, she takes us back even further past Sherlock Holmes, all the way back to Shakespeare, and she writes this line that I love, uh, and she says, I'm talking about William fanboy Shakespeare himself. <laughs> and she says most of his works are based on myth, legend, and he adds his own sort of like Shakespearean flair to the whole thing. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, that's that's fan fiction in a nutshell. Amazing. Well done. So I think now we've got a, a few more like smaller terms, um, a lot of fan fiction based terms and stuff. So um, I will start with uh, canon. So canon was one I had no idea what that meant until recently. So a canon refers to the original body of work in its entirety. So for example, uh, X-Files canon, uh, I have to go with X-Files because that was like my first fandom, um, oh, would be comprised. Yeah. I was a huge X-File, P-H-I-L-E. I had like a big poster on my bedroom above my bed in both my mom's house and my dad's house. The same poster. The same poster. Did you have pillows? Mm -hmm. I didn't have pillows. Damn it. So I guess I wasn't good enough. I had a hat. I think I had an X-Files hat. Nice. Um, but anyway, so X-Files canon would be comprised of the characters, relationships, situations, and storylines that occurred in the series and films. So it would be everything that actually happened in the show and the characters that exist in the show and films and nothing beyond that. So that is considered canon. Um, so anything that's uh, an alternate storyline or relationships that turn up within fan fiction would be considered non-canon. So anything that's made up that like uses the characters or changes the situations or, you know, places or relationships that is considered non-canon. Um, and then sometimes there will actually be some ideas or concepts or ships um, that become so widely accepted in the fandom that they almost become canon. And they refer to that as fanon. Fanon. I've never heard that before. Fanon. So that's, I don't have an example of that, but I'm sure someone can help us out. But that would be something that, you know, the fandom, is, it's its one of the favorite kind of theories or relationships or something. And, and it's so widely accepted by everyone that they actually kind of embrace it. That is amazing. Fanon. Thank you. All right. So my next one on my uh, list here, and, uh, and you, it's a word that you mentioned, it's ship. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, back a couple years ago, I also had to Google. I had no idea what the hell people were talking about. So ship is, uh, it's derived from the word relationship. 
Uh, shipping mm-hmm. is the desire by fans for two or more people, either real life people or fictional characters, uh, to be in a relationship, romantic or otherwise. So this, a ship is generally, it, I guess it doesn't make a difference. Like, it's generally non-canon. Um, but you, I guess you can ship people that are also canon. Um, yeah. So if you want, <laughs> this is the example I wrote down. If you want Taylor Hawkins and Dave Grohl to be in a relationship, you would say, I ship them. And then usually shippers make up amazingly creative names for their ship. Like, you know how they called um, Brad Pitt and Angelina? They were Brangelina. Brangelina. Right. Uh-huh. So Dave and Taylor ship, they call them Grohlkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Felicity Smoke and Oliver Queen from Arrow are Elicity, and I ship Elicity so hard. Oh. Um, Caitlin Snow and Barry Allen from The Flash are Snowberry, which is one of my favorite. That's adorable. Um, my absolute ever favorite is the ship of Irene Adler and Sherlock Holmes. Those shippers call themselves the Adlock Yacht because it's such an amazing ship that's so big that it's a yacht. So they're not just the Adlock <laughs> ship, they're the Adlock Yacht. And there's the tag on Tumblr, they all tag it um, Adlock Yacht. Uh, such amazing wordplay, I just I can't get enough of it. That is awesome. So I love that. One of the first big ships were um, Kirk and Spock from Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the term shipping did not originate until the 1990s when fan art surrounding your favorite Mulder and Scully of the X-Files yes. began popping up. So Thank they were you. like the first official ship that was called a ship. Uh, yeah, because that was such a big part of watching the X-Files was just wanting them, wanting to, get them to be yes. together. Ugh. I mean, if as a girl, anyway, I don't know if that was everyone in the fandom's experience, but I know I just, that's all I ever wanted. Right. Um, so then they have a lot, I love shipping because they have, so, they're so creative and there's so many good plays on words, which I love. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have a sailed ship, that's a pairing that has been established as canically true. So like Oliver oh. and Felicity on Arrow, I shipped them really hard and then they finally got together on the show and that, so that's a sailed ship. And oh. a sunk ship would be a ship that's been <laughs> proven unable to sail. So something that <laughs> will never, like, um, the writers of Sherlock insist that John Watson and Sherlock, or they call themselves the John Lockers, John Locke will never be canon. Uh, right. But the John Lockers are not giving up hope. They're still holding on to that. Uh, and a crack ship is a highly unlikely pairing. Uh, wow, you're teaching me so much today. Oh, I'm so glad. And you know what? I'm actually, uh, I can't wait for our podcast to take off and then people will start shipping us together. <laughs> we already ship ourselves. <laughs> we ship ourselves. What would our ship be called, though? We need a creative oh. ship name. Salison. <laughs> All right, we're going to have we to work on I that. I don't know. We're, we'll we'll yeah, work on that somebody, for you guys. <laughs> we'll figure that out. Or you can tell us what you think it should be. <laughs> yes, please do. Is that it for ships? That's it. That's a ship. Okay. So, related to ships, uh, my next term is OTP. Not to be confused with ODB. <laughs> old dirty bastard. Um, so, OTP stands for one true pairing. So, this comes down to fans' personal preference. Uh, and it is basically the fans' ultimate ship. So, um, so I guess one of mine would be Mulder and Scully. That would be one of my ultimate ships. Um, but yeah, you, you would say, you know, like, oh, Mulder and Scully are my OTP. 
Like that's the one true pairing in that canon. That's the one. So that's, you that's refuse to acknowledge that like Mulder could be with <laughs> anyone else besides Scully. No. Is that that's yeah. okay? I it's got impossible. it. Got it. I'm They're there. my OTP. Right. And I'm I'm unbreakable in that. <laughs> I love it. I think my OTP would have to be. There's the OG OTP with the from back in the day was Jim and Pam on The Office. I shipped them pretty hard. <laughs> um, and then of course Oliver and Felicity from Arrow. They're my OTP. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Sex in the City can't, um, fandom, but I I shipped uh, or sorry Carrie and Aiden were my OTP. Shut up! It's got to be Carrie and Big. No. Shut up. No. 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 Nope. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie and Aiden. Carrie and Big. All right, Carrie and She Maid. didn't deserve him, but that's the OTP for me. <sighs> it's our first fight. First fandom-based fight. First fandom-based. <laughs> <laughs> there will be more. Uh, so that's OTP. What's next on your list? My next one is OFC or OMC. Mm. Uh, and this required a Google. This is original female character, original male, male character. Um, so this is a fan fiction term. Right. So in fan fiction, um, when you're writing fan fiction, you're, if you're not using uh, characters that exist elsewhere, you're like creating your own uh, character from scratch. That would be mm-hmm. an original character, male or female. And they usually use this in tags. So, you know, if, you're, if you only want to read about John Watson and Sherlock Holmes... You're going to skip over the fan fictions that say Sherlock Holmes and OFC or John Watson and mm-hmm. OFC. We don't want, we're not interested in that. We only want to read about John and Sherlock. Um, and uh, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite description ever of, a, of an OFC uh, came from actually you. And oh no. Yes. You, I remember this stuck with me. You called uh, our OFCs a thinly veiled version of ourselves and it just couldn't be more true and I don't know I mean it's probably not true in every case but usually in my case and I'm gonna go ahead and speak for you in your case sure uh we're writing ourselves in we are creating a universe where we are with uh who you know the object of our affection uh we just have a different name maybe a different hair color and a different job that's it yeah or sometimes the same job. Sometimes the same job. Yep. Sometimes the same <laughs> thinly, hair color. Thinly veiled. Very thin. Uh, but I think uh, I enjoy I enjoy uh, reading people's uh, original characters. It I gi- do too. Yeah, it gives the the canon characters kind of like a, a different character to interact with in a different environment. They're my faves. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of of a good solid OFC yes. or OMC for sure. Speaking of those types of things. My next one uh, is a Mary Sue. So a Mary Sue is basically actually kind of what you just said. So it's a fictional character that is created by the author and is generally based on themselves, but is also seemingly perfect and unrealistic. So she's generally a proxy for the author, but it's an idealistic version. So it's basically wish fulfillment. Nice. Um, but Mary Sue's are generally seen as undeveloped characters that are too perfect to be interesting. Hmm. Now, when I write myself into things, I write all my <laughs> flaws in too. So that's not a problem. I don't write Mary Sue's. Um, I write deeply, deeply flawed individuals. Do I write Mary? I might. Oh, fuck. Um, I, do. <laughs> I don't. 
I no. do. I do. No, you it's don't. okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> well, I mean... now you know what you've been writing. Um, <laughs> the, ter- the term Mary Sue uh, comes from the name of a character created by Paula Smith in 1973 Whoa. for her parody story, A Trekkie's Tale, which was published in her fanzine Menagerie Number no. 2. Mm. So the story starred Lieutenant Mary Sue, the youngest lieutenant in the fleet, only Ever. 15 and a half years old. Jesus. Um, and basically it satirized um, unrealistic characters in Star Trek fan fiction. So she was this ridiculously perfect character with no flaws. It was just kind of really cheesy. So um, that is the term of Mary Sue. It's not, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's generally seen as a pretty underdeveloped, boring character. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my, what do you got? my what do you next got? one, my next couple, this is where I really had to like dig deep because this is hard for me. Um, my next okay. one is, my next one is Slash. Uh, and, uh, I have a hard time with Slash and we're, I'm sure we'll get into exactly why over the course of this podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. but like I said, I'm, I'm working on me. Um, so Slash is the pairing of two characters of the same sex. And the reason they call it slash is because in the tags, they write um, a backslash between the names of the characters. So, for example, it would be Kirk backslash Spock. Um, And so this is called slash. And these relationships are not canon. And they are usually between two male characters, although there is fem slash. But usually it's between two male characters that would not canonically Mm -hmm. engage in sexual activities. And, uh... So most slash is porn, right? Most slash is like yep. smutty, um, amazing smutty sexual uh, situations, which we love and support. Yeah. So it's believed that slash became popular due to the lack of canical, which I didn't even know canical was a word, so I'm excited that that's a word. The <laughs> lack of canical homosexual relationships in the original works. And slash fiction has received more academic attention than any other genre of fan fiction. Uh, I found this amazing essay by this woman named Joanna Russ. Joanna Russ is a fan fiction, no, sorry, she's a science fiction writer, not a fan fiction writer. Um, And her essay is called Pornography by Women for Women with Love, which Hmm. we all can totally get behind. Yes. So she uses the example of the Kirk slash Spock relationship. Um, And she says that slash fiction provides a sense of combining both masculine sides with feminine traits of emotional emotional vulnerability. This stand of an equal relationship negates the power imbalance typically seen in regular fan fiction. Uh, So that's kind of where I was like, oh, oh. So, you know, you have Kirk and Spock who are both, you know, super masculine um, members. Super strong, developed characters. Right, right. Um, but then you put them in situations where they're vulnerable together for each other and it adds this whole other element. So I've, um, I've never understood slash. I do read a lot of slash because I'm looking for that, that one slash, uh, couple, that ship that really makes me go like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I can understand where they're coming from. I can see why they're doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. so not trying to be like judgy at all. But I just, I haven't found that one uh, OTP yet, if you will. But I'm still looking. <laughs> I've read, uh, I read a lot of recently um, Dean slash 
Castiel. Castiel. So I believe that's Destiel. Destiel. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the mm-hmm. thing I love about like slash writers and people that are really into slash is they're so passionate about it. I love the John Lockers on Tumblr. Um, even though I don't quite understand uh, it, I love them. They're just like the best people and they really are so creative in the ways that they ship and you know there are some beautiful stories and beautiful fan art out there but some people do believe that it tarnishes established characters to portray them in a way that was never illustrated canically i'm not one of those people just for the record i don't believe it tarnishes me i just don't i haven't found that one ship yet and then it also there also is a little bit of like repercussion from the original owners of the you know the original characters uh for example lucasfilm had issued notice to fans who wrote sexually explicit stories and jk rowling and warner brothers have sent uh cease and desist um letters referencing sexually explicit writings on the web um although harry potter authored J.K. Rowling does say she approves of fan fiction in general. She posts links to fan fictions on her websites and openly acknowledges the slash fiction. She does still maintain that pairings such as Harry and Draco and Harry and Snape are non-mechanical and won't exist in her universe. That's fair, though. Yeah. At least she acknowledges that it exists and she's not necessarily against it. She just said, this is not my story. Right. So that's Slash. I think you might have missed one. Did you have AU? Oh, I did, but I wasn't sure if that's one that I added. So AU is um, alternate universe. So that's when uh, a fan fiction writer takes canon characters and puts them in an alternate universe. So that would be like writing the Marvel superheroes, but taking them out of the Marvel universe and putting them into like a college university situation. They don't have their superpowers, but they're just interacting with each other and with maybe original characters in, like, a university setting. Um, so I love those two. Oh, my God, I love a good I AU. I love AU. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I agree. My favorite AU is uh, any time they take Tom Hiddleston out of uh, his <laughs> <laughs> environment and write him into, like, a sexy bartender or a... Uh, a studious professor. There's a lot of, oh, yeah, God. there's a lot of professor Tom. Oh, That's God. like its own so tag. Good. Yes. Yeah. Check there's it some out. good Tom Hilston <laughs> fiction out there. <laughs> and some of it is PWP, which is my is next that? term. What even is that? PWP stands for, I think it originally, someone corrected me, um, it originally stood for porn without plot. <laughs> uh, but it's also known as plot. What plot? Love it. Um, and basically, these are fan fictions or uh, one shots, which is a very short fanfic, kind of like a little mini story. That's just straight up smut. You don't really need the context. You don't really need a background story. There's there's not really a plot. It's just full on boning. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we love it. We do. We read it yeah, to each other. Sometimes it's you're really just in the mood. <laughs> not read pwp to each other we have we definitely send links to each other <laughs> we do we send links to each other <laughs> i read you a pwp about um jeffrey dean morgan the other day. oh my god you did that was so weird wasn't that it was, in space was it space? i think it was in space yep. there's some amazing stuff on the internet you guys you should really <laughs> just get get straight onto google figure this out uh what is what is your next <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm, I'm done. thinking about Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> um, my next one is a real person thick, an RPF. I didn't know what that was. You assigned it to me. I had to flip and Google it. I didn't know what it is. Now I do. It's what you write. It's I'm here. I am writing it every day and never knew that I was an RPF writer. You uh, are. So you're a fabulous RPF writer. Hey, thanks. That's you're really welcome. nice of you to say. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, all right. So a real person fic obviously is a fic involving a real live actual person as opposed to fictional characters from TV or yes. movie or what have you. Uh, so this would be like writing David Duchovny fanfiction as opposed to <laughs> Fox Mulder fanfiction. It's just, we're going to just use the um, X-Files oh. as like our baseline. We're just going to go there for all of our examples. That's really great because <clears throat> you'll be in nothing. You'll see why. Da- is there some David Duchovny fanfiction? Because I would read that. Dude, I would definitely read that. How can there not? While I was watching Californication, I invented the hashtag make love to Duchov. Dude. It did not take off, but it's a great hashtag. So if you guys want to use that, please, by all means, I would like, make let's love give that a second come. chance. Yeah, I totally would. Still would. All right. So if you're listening, David, <laughs> give David us a call. <laughs> I ship us. I ship us real hard. You know what? I ship you and Dukov hard, too. Thanks. Duncov. We'd be good together. Duncov. <laughs> Duncov. We have a great ship name. Yep. Amazing. So us RPF writers are basically building a fictional universe based on the supposed real-life histories of their idols. We use information from interviews, documentaries, music videos, and other public sources. So this is, you know, when I was writing <clears throat> Dave Grohl fanfiction, I mm-hmm. was obsessed. Like, I would Google everything, like, every stupid detail like I had to get it right for my stories it had to be if there was a real person I don't know can you say that real persons have canon I don't know but I would ha- it have to be like factual if and yeah I was obsessed. I do that too I would like try to find what neighborhood they lived in and like you know where do they live and then I would like map quest directions <laughs> yes. to like place like how long would it take to get to the airport to chase your right. lover down right so from your house in made a veil <laughs> recording an album like what city were they recording in how long between them finishing recording till when the album actually came out like really yeah. there's no need to do that but we just no we have to i do that for sure i really do uh so it's a little controversial which i never thought about until I received some like super angry hate mail on Tumblr about <gasps> did you, know, you get hate I mail? did get hate mail on Tumblr like this is a real person um I think they were like I guess I wrote about I think it was Dave and his uh current wife Jordan balloon oh yeah you weren't too kind to her you know what anyway uh it's my <laughs> universe I created and they divorced and everyone just needs to deal with it because my I think I probably sent you that hate mail. You're such a dick. Um, <laughs> so, but really, like, this opens up the door to a discussion, like, how is this, how is this legal? Like, when we get real famous and people start writing, like, weird fan fiction about us, like, what are we going to do? We're going to embrace it because it's a fandom-based life. Right. I mean, Dang. I'm going to print it out and make a leather-bound book of my first ever fan fiction that's written about me. I'm going to read all of it. Yeah. I'm going to read it every single page. So my my favorite example of a real person fanfic uh, is is actually for sale 
on Amazon. What? Yeah. How is that? I don't understand. Um, so it's about the uh, New England Patriot football player named Rob Gronk Gronkowski. We all call him Gronk. And it's okay. called A Gronking to Remember. <laughs> oh my You can buy this on gosh. Amazon. It's 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 one there's two books. It's a, it's a two parter. Um, I haven't ever read it, but I've seen clips of Rob Gronkowski reading it aloud at press conferences. And <gasps> so he knows, he about, knows it. about it. They make him read it at press conferences. It's amazing. It's so amazing. It's uh, it's erotic. It's an erotic fanfic. And I just want to read you guys the synopsis from Amazon. Yes. Okay, you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. When Lee wanders into the room where her husband and his friends are watching a football game, her life changes forever. Because at that exact moment, NFL's one-man wrecking ball, Rob Gronkowski of the New England Patriots, scores a touchdown and does his patented Gronk spike, his notorious monster smashing of a football. When the ball shoots into the stratosphere, Lee's heart goes a pitter-patter, and she becomes seriously turned on. <clears throat> I'm turned on. Right? Now, yep. normally sheepish, Lee can't stop thinking about it. She'd never given a second thought to football, but now the primal power of the Gronk spike and this raw monster of a man, Rob Gronkowski, is all that she wants, and she'll stop at nothing until the romance of a lifetime is hers. Find out the lengths people will go to to fulfill their fantasies in this super sexy, sex-filled story of wanton lust with a super sexy, sex-filled happy ending. (laughs) If you read one book about Rob Gronkowski this year, make it Growing Up Gronk by Rob Gronkowski. But if you read two books about Rob Gronkowski this year, make the second one a gronking to remember. Warning. Um, have... There's oh. a warning. Hold on. I have to warn everybody. Contains okay. some sexually graphic scenes as well as the misuse of American footballs that will leave you wet, hard, Ooh. and everything in between. Sports. Oh my. Exclamation Ooh. point. <laughs> Sports. Sports. <laughs> I know. Have you read this? No. 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 Will you please? I will read it to you. Okay. okay, perfect. That's I want you best guys scenario. need to just Google Rob Gronkowski so you can just see what he looks like. He is... I need to do it. He's, he's pretty cute. He's like all muscles and there's not a lot more to him. Um, he's just muscles. He's just muscles. So he's muscles. basically like my dog. Yeah. There's not a whole lot going on upstairs if you know what I'm saying, but um, he's really he really has like a good uh, sense of humor about the whole thing. Um but I just, I'm like, how is this legal? How could this be for sale? How can she make money off of, like, a, like Rob Gronkowski porn book? I don't understand. So, Yeah, that's probably illegal. But I guess if he's reading it, he's not about to press charges. Right. So I, I actually Googled, how is a Gronking to remember legal? <laughs> uh, and? I learned two things. Um, Lacey... Noonan, who is actually the author of A Gronking to Remember, Lacey Noonan is actually a dude named Greg McKinnon. What? Right. So that's okay. That's, you know what? Whatever. That's cool, dude. Whatever. No, that's just a surprise. It's, it's shockingly surprising, but at the same time, you do you, Greg. Yeah, Greg. 
you do you. So then the second thing I found was that the biggest controversy surrounding this whole thing was that was over the cover of the book actually featured a photo of these two beautiful people embracing in the foreground and then like in the background was like a like a faded out sort of blurred picture of Gronk spiking the football. Uh, and this couple on the cover, this was actually like a picture of them, like a real life, not a photo shoot, like they were on the beach and someone took their picture, like this is a real photo that they took for themselves and posted on the net. So they sued Amazon and Apple over misappropriation of their photo. Greg, mate. (laughs) Just, you know, go buy a stock photo. Stick figures, Greg. You could have drawn stick figures. Yeah, Um, that would have been fine. And then there was, like, this teeny tiny little article about, like, the Patriots and the NFL asked if they, sh- Greg or Lacey, could take off the picture of Gronk in his full New England Patriots uniform. It's still up. The, the cover on Amazon that you see is these two, this couple with the Gronk in his uniform. So it was oh, really? shockingly uncontroversial, and I just don't understand. I, I've never heard about this, and I also don't understand, and immediately when we're done recording, I'm going to Google all of this. Sounds good. Wow. You have done so much more research than I did, and now I feel like I'm lacking in information and in charisma and delivery, so Shut I'm just probably going to quit. Mouth. No. You're the, you're the face and the heart of this podcast, so... Keep going. I'm not the face of this you're podcast. The face. My face is nowhere. You're the heart, you're the voice. And you're the muscle oh behind this. I just, uh, I just have terrible panic attacks about my fucking equipment not working, and uh-huh. um, I sweat a lot. And then I read, I read things <laughs> off my paper that I copy and pasted. Well, you do all of that incredibly well, Aww. and I feel very lucky to have you as my partner. Even though I'm sweaty. Especially because you're sweaty. Aww. Thank you. I'm really into that. So nice. So my next term is amazing. It's probably my favorite term that I've ever come oh across, God, and I had me? never heard of it tell before me, me, we started me. this. It is a little thing called Rule 34. What? And uh, I don't have a big description for this, but I have a lot of questions. Basically, Rule 34 is, if it exists and you can conceive of it, there is porn of it. Porn? Somewhere. Somewhere there's porn. Somewhere there is porn of absolutely anything you can imagine. Amazing. Go on. That is Rule 34. I am still waiting to find my Chris Robinson fan fiction. (laughs) So Rule 34 is not doing well for me because I've had a struggle to find things that interest me. Yeah, I can't Um, find um, Macklemore fan fiction. Hmm. That has to exist. Tons of people love that guy. You know what? I do. I find... Okay. I take it back. I find a lot of slash with him and Ryan Lewis, but I want to oh. I want to read about an Macklemore and like an OFC that like helps him through his drug addiction and is his muse for his amazing hip hop that he creates. Okay, well you know what the answer to that problem is. Write it. You have to write it, girl. Write it. Somebody's gonna read it. I may or but may not. But that have said, started. if anybody has any Chris Robinson <laughs> fan fiction or Macklemore fan fiction, please tweet it to us at right Fandom now. Based Life. Oh my God. Immediately. Can't wait. Because we need to read it. That's one of my hugest hopes for this podcast is that, like, people will just do, you know, send us all this amazing fan fiction and we won't have to search so hard for it anymore. <laughs> Please do our research for us yes. by telling us about your fan fiction. 
P.S. We are seeking some suggestions for some supernatural fan fiction mm-hmm. for our first fandom episode where we explore our first fandom, which is Supernatural, and that will be the next episode, and I'm so excited. Um, my next term is cosplay. Yes, you yes. were telling me earlier you were really excited that you got this one, so I'm excited to see what you have discovered about cosplay, because I'm intrigued by it. I didn't know, I, I mean, I knew what it was, I can kind of like figure it out from the name, uh, which is a contraction of the words costume play. Uh, mm-hmm. And per Wikipedia, it's a hobby in which participants called cosplayers wear costumes and fashion accessories to represent a specific character. Right. All right, so now I have to find it. I still don't understand. So, <laughs> what? like, I understand, why? but I understand, like, okay, we're dressing up in costumes, but why? It's not Halloween. Like, I don't. What? And you, okay, like, it's it's an expression of your adoration for the character. But I, but. All right, so and I can fun, feel like I Halloween. I haven't done it, but I could. Or going to a convention, but people do it like outside of those two situations, and I didn't understand why. So I googled, "quote Why do people cosplay?" end quote, <laughs> and I found this amazing article on ifanboy.com called "What is cosplay okay. and why do people do it?" and it's by this amazing cosplayer uh, Molly McIsaac. So I learned so much from Molly. Uh, you should check her out on Twitter at Molly McIsaac, M-O-L-L-Y-M-C-I-S-A-A-C, Molly McIsaac. So she taught me a lot that apparently it started in the early 90s and has recently exploded into this huge subculture. And it goes way beyond dressing up like your favorite character for Halloween and conventions. Um, and it's a very unique form of performance art. Uh, Alright, so now I'm kind of getting, like, a, a, a clearer picture, but I still, there's, I still need to, to learn more. So Molly did a lot of the legwork for me by posting on her social media, Why Do You Cosplay? And, uh, people, a bunch of people answered, and one of my favorite responses was from a cosplayer named Sabrina Renalucci, and she says it best. <clears throat> she says, Let's face it, a lot of us wish we could live in video games slash TV shows slash movies slash comic books slash anime because it's so interesting and it's nice to devote a part of yourself to something. Making cosplay takes a ton of time, but that's half the fun for me. It sort of consumes your life for a bit. The second part is community. I've met a ton of amazing people who like the same thing I do because we saw each other across the room wearing shows that the other one liked. Hmm. Now I get it. <laughs> and this is something I can 100% relate to. So I, I can't, although I can't relate to dressing up, like the desire to dress up in elaborately detailed costumes, I can relate to wanting to live inside a show or a movie. I can relate oh, to yes. devoting myself to something and letting it consume me. Like I said earlier, I would just Google all those like intricate, infinitely tiny little details so that my stories would be perfectly accurate. And I guess that's the same thing, you know, making sure your costume is perfect down to the last stitch. And I can a thousand percent relate to community and connecting with people who are as passionate and crazy as you are. And yeah. so this is this is where I grew as a person. I tend to have a lot of <laughs> fandom-based judgment, and I did feel a little judgy about cosplayers. Um, but now I get it, and I apologize for any sort of judgment that I had reserved for any other fandom-based person. Um, and this now room... she's going to turn up in, like, the most intricate costume 
I can't ever wait. seen at I can't the next wait. convention. I'm going to get into cosplaying. I'm going to go to the conventions. Um, but anyway, so like I said, I was excited that you had assigned me this term because it reminded me to keep an open mind and not be a fandom-based dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that, you know, we're all here because we have passion and we have the desire to connect with like-minded people. And we just have different ways of doing it. That's so true. I really like it. Yay. I like that you've grown. And you've helped me to grow in turn. Yay. So beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Um, the last thing I had was, it's sort of related to that, and that was con, which is fairly obvious. So con refers to a convention or a conference, uh, which is an organized event for fans. And um, these can vary super widely in size and scope. So it can be anything from a small gathering of fans from one specific fandom, or it can be like a massive event like San Diego Comic-Con, which just happened with tons of professional guests and autograph signings and hundreds of thousands of fans in attendance. Um, and they actually started in the 1930s as well. So about the time fan fiction started, it was all fans of science fiction writing that would get together and travel to see each other and That's hang out amazing. and discuss I their favorite no stories. I had no idea that it was happening as early as that. That's amazing. I know. I thought that was so interesting when I was doing my research. It's, it's really, really cool. So basically, it turns out we didn't invent any of this, which is a bit disappointing. I know. We didn't invent the fandom-based life. No. Nope. We just... People who were living the fandom-based life. And you know what's crazy to think about? Like, our grandparents... What? Or great-grandparents could have been living fandom-based life, and That's we would true. never know. My dad reads a lot of science fiction. I should ask him if he's ever been to a convention. I feel like I would know. Hey, Dad, are you living that good fandom-based life? Just checking in. How's your fandom-based life? <laughs> and then he would hang up on me. Like, oh, what is she doing now? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I'm getting the low battery Dude. Uh, warning on my computer. That's poor planning. I know, it is. I'm very disappointed in myself. But uh, yeah, I feel like that was really good. I'm really excited to dive into the Supernatural fandom next. We can talk about our favorite ships. We can talk about, you know, AU stuff. We can talk about some Slash. You know, we're going to use a lot of these terms coming up. So I'm glad we kind of got them out of the way and learned a bit more about them and then helped you learn a bit more about them. So you'll understand what we're talking about when we bring them up later. Awesome. Good job, us. Yeah, great job, us. Um, congratulations so on a, a great okay. job. Well done. Um, so thank you guys <laughs> for listening. Make sure you check us out. We're on Tumblr, uh, Fandom Based Life on Tumblr. Uh, Twitter, at Fandom Based Life. Allegedly, there's a Facebook page. There is a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fandom Based Life. And, uh, and we have a website now, so you can find all of that under one umbrella, uh, under fandombaselife.com. And send all your Chris Robinson fanfiction to us at <laughs> fandombaselife at gmail.com. Yes, please. Please send it immediately. I really, really need it. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. And uh, keep on living that fandom-based life. And the truth is out there. Do, 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 <laughs> do, 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 do. Bye-bye.